All right, so Hannah is going to read God's word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. So if you have your Bibles, would you go there quickly? That's Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. Use the table of contents if you need to. We will not judge you. All right. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold up. All right, we're going to wait on you because we're patient people. All right. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, oh well. Uh, go ahead and read. Romans 8, verses 35 to 39 say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romanos capítulo 8, versículo 35 hasta 39. ¿Quién nos separará del amor de Cristo? ¿Tribulación o angustia, o persecución, o hambre, o desnudez, o peligro de espada? Como está escrito, por causa de ti somos muertos todo el tiempo. Somos contados como ovejas de matadero. Antes, en todas esas cosas somos más que vencedores por medio de aquel que nos amó. Por lo cual estoy seguro de que ni la muerte, ni la vida, ni ángeles, ni principados, ni potestades, ni lo presente, no, ni lo porvenir, ni lo alto, ni lo profundo, ni ninguna otra cosa creada nos podrá separar del amor de Dios, que es en Cristo Jesús, Señor nuestro. Amén. Amén. That girl good. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. I couldn't do that. Amén, amén. Anybody ready for God's word? Amén. Researchers from the University of Missouri wanted to know how subjects behave and were parted from their iPhones, so they recruited two, 208 students for a survey on media usage. Hey, low-key, that scared me a little bit. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I was like, what, what, hold on, you know, okay, I'm good now, I'm good now. Y'all good, I'm good, all right, cool, let's go. Researchers from the University of Missouri, I know I'm crazy, uh, Missouri wanted to know how subjects behaved. When parted from their iPhones, so they, re, so they recruited 208 students for a survey on media usage. The researchers then used the survey to screen iPhones users and eventually recruited a group of 41 respondents for an experience in cell phone separation anxiety. During the study, Participants were placed in a cubicle and asked to perform word search puzzles. Word searchers monitor their anxiety levels, heart rate, and blood pressures while the subjects had their iPhones with them. The iPhones out of the devil, just so you know, I'm Android. Amen, 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 amen. I got the mic when you iPhone users get the mic, then you can say what you need to say. Then the... <laughs> then the real experiment began. Researchers told the participants 
that their iPhones were causing interference with the blood pressure cuff and asked them to move their phones. The phones were placed in a nearby cubicle. Next, the researchers called the subjects' phones while they were working on the puzzle. Immediately afterwards, they collected the same data. The results changed dramatically. Not only did the participants' puzzle performance decline significantly while the phones were off limits, check this out, but their anxiety level, blood pressure, and heart rate skyrocketed. That's what the my phones will do to you. One of the researchers concluded, iPhones are capable of becoming an extension of cells such as that when separated, we experience in a lessening of self in a negative psychological state. Friends, it's crazy how attached we have become to our phones. So much so that we experience anxiety when separated from them. Some of y'all itching right now to check it. When this sermon going to be over with, I hear the notifications coming in. Just the thought of being separated from their touch in their bright light caused the participants' pressure to go up. It's hard to be separated from that which you love or are attached to. It causes separation anxiety issues. But it's also funny how material, how the material world sheds light on the spiritual world. Many Christians also have separation anxiety issues. Who am I talking to this morning? This is true spiritually as well. Many Christians have also experienced elevated anxiety level, blood pressure, and heart rate levels at the thought of being separated from God. Spiritual separation anxiety issues. What would we discover if we ran tests on every Christian in this room that struggled with the thought of being separated from God? Do we struggle with spiritual separation anxiety? Well, the Bible is aware that we have spiritual separation anxiety issues. But God wants us, church, to be at peace. We find ourselves back in the book of Romans chapter 8. If you haven't been with us, we've been journeying through the book of Romans. It has been a glorious and beautiful journey. Paul has been helping us with our spiritual separation anxiety issues. How? Well, he has been telling us who we are as a result of God's grace. And so he spends the first section, uh, verse 1 through 11, telling us a reality about us. We are new creatures. Oh, you missed your shout. I said that we are new creatures. In that we did not contribute to, that was all God. 
That was all grace. That was all mercy. That was all divine power. That was all God. The only reason why you ain't like the people in the world is because God has been good to your no good self. You know good well that you wouldn't be who you are today. If it wasn't for the grace of God, can I park my car here for a minute? Because I want to brag on his grace and his mercy that is sufficient. I'm so glad that I ain't got to dig deep down inside of Dexter. All I got to do is look to my Savior, and he has all that I need. Paul brags about what God has done, and as a result, we got a brand new nature. We got a brand new heart. I ain't who I used to be. Every now and then I slip into how I used to be, but I ain't who I used to be. Positionally, I have been changed. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint. Can you believe that? That I'm a saint. I know some of y'all know my past, and you may not be able to believe it, but I came to tell you that the blood that he shed 2,000 years ago is still effective even today. Why Paul tell us about who we are? Why tell us, Paul, about who we are? Because religion tells us what we must do to be loved by God. And the gospel tells us, on the other hand, what God has already done. Therefore, you are loved by God. Paul is helping us with our separation anxiety issues. Then having told us what we are in Christ... He goes on in verse 12 through 17 to give an imperative. That is to give an exhortation. He says, okay, now consider this. In light of this truth about you, that you're a new creature, I want to tell you something else. Christian, don't live by the flesh. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and you're a new creation. This is good, Paul, because we experience spiritual separation, anxiety issues when we feel we don't know what to do. But Paul not only tells us what to do, but that we can do it because the spirit is inside of us. I don't know about you, but one of the questions that I always have is, God, how do I overcome this sin? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I ask God, how do I walk in obedience? Well, God has put a spirit down in the inside of you, and that spirit gives you the power to do what God wants to be done. I love God because he's a supplier of his own demand. He asks you to walk in obedience and then gives you the power to walk in obedience. I wish Christians knew that the gospel has already gave you the full package. Did you know that God is giving you everything that you need when he saved you? You ain't got to go looking nowhere else. He's already given it to you already. Then he goes on in verse 18 through 30. He gives words of comfort. He gives a reason to keep on pushing through life. Perhaps I'm the only one this morning that, that sometimes I need a nudge from God to keep pushing through life. Maybe you hit a speed bump in your life. Maybe you came across a hill. Some of us have came across a mountain, and, and, and we need to be encouraged on why we should keep on going. And Paul helps us with our separation anxiety issues by telling us that God our Father is working everything out for our good. 
Oh, that was shout worthy right there that God is working it all out for your good. I know it don't feel like it all the time. I know it don't seem that way, but the Bible says, let everybody be a lie and let God be true. So even if your circumstances look like they lying on God, you just give it enough time and God going to prove your circumstance wrong. I'm trying to keep calm up here. I got a long way to go. And then when you get to verse 31 through 34, he throws out four questions for encouraging us to remember the truth that he has taught us. You will remember in Romans 8.31, the very first question is, who can be against us if God is for us? But to help us even more with our spiritual separation anxiety, in verses 33 and 34, he asks two more questions. The second question is, who can accuse the chosen ones of God? And the third question is, who is the one who condemns? But Paul is quick to let us know that God has justified us, that God has made us right, that God has imputed us with a righteousness that we did not earn. This is the difference with Christianity from every other religion. Every other religion says you got to do A, B, C, and D. Christianity says God has already done A, B, C, and D so that he can reunite you and reconcile you to himself. But not only that, that he clothes you with righteousness. So that there is no condemnation, which means that if you believe in Jesus this morning, you're not going to hell. Because God has dropped your charges. God has cleaned your foul up. That warrant that was out for your arrest no longer exists. Some of y'all, that's spiritual now. Let me, let me be clear. Let me be clear. You get pulled over by the cops. You say, Pastor told me my warrant go. Not this warm, brother. You're going to jail. You can do a lot of Bible reading in there. Just want to be clear, because I know some of y'all want y'all shouting for the wrong, <laughs> the wrong reason. Oh, man. Paul knows. <laughs> bring it in, Dexter. Bring it in. I got to talk to myself. Yeah, Paul knows we may still struggle with separation, spiritual separation anxiety. Paul knows, although he has told us that God has saved us, that God has changed us, that God walks with us, that God talks to us, that God hears us, Paul still knows that there is one thing that he needs to clear up if he's going to solve or give the remedy to our separation anxiety. And so he bolsters our faith by way of another question. And here it is, and hold on to yourself. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul's like, I said a lot, but I want to get down to it. Let's talk about love. What causes separation anxiety issues in any relationship? Let's just, let's just sit at the same table for a moment. Let's Get down to earth for a minute. What causes separation anxieties in your relationships? It is not that you stand up for me. It is not that you walk with me. It's not that you give me your Facebook password. Not that you give me access to your email. Not that you add me on your bank account. No, 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 no. That's not what we're looking for. 
But instead, what we want to know is, will you love me tomorrow? Will your love for me last is what we want to know. Will you withdraw your love from me? To be separated from love is one of our greatest terrors. Is there anything more painful than to hear, I don't love you anymore. The thrill is gone. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Melvin, you know what I'm talking about. The thrill is gone. Girl, I'm in love with somebody else. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not you. It's me. Uh, Those are the words that we don't want to hear. In fact, some of the greatest love songs have come from separation anxiety issue. How do you think Usher came up with Let It Burn? Okay, I think, I think y'all with me now. What about Cisco? Y'all don't remember Cisco? I give anything and everything to hear you say that you stay. No, let me stop. But I love this part. I say, without you, girl, my life is what? Incomplete. How you think he came up with that? Separation anxiety issue. Okay, that might be a little old for some of y'all, so I thought I'd throw some new school in there. The new people know 21 Savage. He says it like this. I still see the shadows in my room. Can't take back the love that I gave you. It's to the point where I hear somebody rapping it. I love and I hate you, long as I got one witness in the room. I appreciate that, young man. How you think they came up with, oh, yeah. You think that just came out of nowhere? Oh, yeah, came from a deep place of hurt. You don't just say, oh, yeah. You got to be in pain. You got to be hurting. Your heart got to be broken. And all you can say is, oh, yeah. <laughs> Casey, yo, no. They crying out for help. Separation anxiety issue. Love is a tricky thing. It'll make you sing stuff and make up words with the alphabet that you didn't even know you can make up and put a little sauce on it and make it good and sell it. And you know why everybody's buying it? Because everybody can relate to it. Live long enough and your heart will be broken. You want to know why? Because human love is fickle. You never know with us. We may love you today and we may hate you tomorrow. You just really don't know. If you're going to use, some of us use love for manipulation. Uh, Just keep looking at me. I say, girl, if you love me, if you want me to stay, hey, hey, you know. (laughs) I'm just keeping it 100. I'm being real. I know we're in church, but we got to be honest. I got to come to your household. Some of y'all resonating with me because you've been there. You've used love to your advantage because human love is not pure love. Our love is fickle. Human love is so weak. The wrong word. The wrong hand motion. Look at me funny. Beat me in Monopoly and see if we still be cool tomorrow. You better let me win. Won't be no chicken tonight. Cross us the wrong way. 
And we will have you saying, oh, yeah. Some of y'all didn't catch it, so I had to let it sit. Our love is not only fickle with each other, but it's also fickle with God. There are some weeks I find myself on fire for God. And there are some weeks that I find myself praising God. And then there's other weeks that I don't know if I want to read my Bible. Can I be honest this morning? There are weeks when I don't know if God is for me. So I feel in my own heart myself being against him. Can we be honest this morning? Maybe you haven't been there before. Maybe this is just me. But there are times that, 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 that I'm not always raising my hands. Sometimes I feel like, Job, God, God, I need to talk to you. God, we need to sit down and have a conversation because I don't remember doing anything. I know, I know last year I was acting a fool, but in 2019, I've been doing everything that I said I was going to do. And God, you're still doing this. And we get fickle with God. And sometimes it happens less than 24 hours. The very thing that caused us to love him in the first place, we forget that it was his mercy. But we get so attached to our idolatry that when God takes the thing that we really love, we don't love him no more. But the reality is if God takes something away from you and you don't love him, you never did love him. You just love what he gave you. You can't say amen, say ouch. But I came to encourage you this morning. Because my focus this morning is not your love. My focus this morning is God's love. And we need to see God's love in a different category that we see our love. Why? Because you will never, 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 never overcome your separation anxiety issues if you don't see God's love in a different category than your love. We have all found ourselves in circumstances, in conditions of life, which made us doubt God's love. We've all found ourselves down and out. And if we were to be honest, we're surprised that God still love, loves us. I mean, come on now, just take a good look at yourself. If I can say it like 21 Savage said in his song, A Lot, he says, how many times did we cheat? A lot. How many times did we lie? How many times has God forgave you? How many idols do you have? When, when, when do we ever consider God? Never, never, never. But God love is not like your love. Now lean in with me on this one. Hold your shout. I barely could contain myself. I almost lost my mind if I was to be honest because when I think of his love, it does something to me. It takes me up on high. It makes me feel different. Here it is. God's love, watch it, friends, is a never-ending love. God's love is a never-ending love. Go ahead, Dexter, teach this thing this morning. We must understand that God's love is a never-ending love. It knows no limits. It has no bounds. When God sets his love on an object, nothing can stop that love from getting to that object. Consider the cross 
in us. God came down 42 generations to save us. God came down 42 generations to save us. A lot happened within 42 generations that could have gave God reason to not to come. God had 42 reasons not to to come. He could have stopped at any time. There was a lot of homicide that happened in those generations. There was a lot of misogyny that happened in those generations. There was a lot of social injustice that happened in those generations. There was a lot of poor people that got trampled on through those generations. There was a lot of talking back to God and telling God that we don't need him. There was a lot of uh, pretend self-sufficiency through those generations. Oh, you're not surprised? You're not knocked off your heels? God God took 42 generations. You would did all that to me in one day. We done. Mm-mm. Pastor, I ain't gonna be able to do it. I heard this had this, this how the saints come to you. They come to you just like this. Pastor, I heard what you said last Sunday. Thought about it long and hard, but I just can't do it. You don't live with them. They play holy in church. You gotta go home with them. You ain't across the kitchen table with them. I heard you say love your enemies. I can't love this one, though. Okay? Now, I know God going to forgive me because God know my heart. <laughs> this, this, what, this is what we do. I'm telling you this is what they say to me. <laughs> but they say, but pastor, I heard you. Can you pray for me? I'm going to pray, but you still need to go do what God told you to do. They, I'm telling you, church folks are praying, won't do nothing. They'll just pray just to get out of stuff. <laughs> pray for me. I'm praying for you. Now, come on. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth on y'all. <clears throat> but you remember Peter? Peter rolled up to Jesus like a G, right? He rolled up to him like he know Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what? Here it is. Then Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. Peter's like, I know, God, that I got to forgive, but there has got to be a cap on this thing. And Jesus, you know, Jesus smooth. You can try to trap him, but he'll get out of it. And he says, no, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. I would have walked away. Well, no, my dang, I ain't coming to you no more. No, I ain't coming to you no more. That's what we do when we don't get the advice that we want or we don't hear what we want to hear. We go somewhere else. But sometimes you got to stand on truth and do what God has called you to do, even when it doesn't feel good. After 42 generations, gee, God still decides to kill his perfect son. He decides to give him up for us all. The reason why God's love didn't change in those 42 generations is because God doesn't change. God's love doesn't change because he doesn't change. The consistency of his love is rooted in who he is. We call this the immutability. God is immutable. He's, he's unchanging. He doesn't change. In fact, God ain't got a reason to change. The only reason why you need to change is because you need to get better. But if you know the God that you serve, he can't get any better than he already is because he's perfect. And if he was to change, he wouldn't be perfect. But because he's perfect, he don't need to change. And because he don't change, you ain't got to worry about his love not changing. 
He says this in Malachi, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. You are not consumed this morning. God didn't crush you in your sin that you did last night, saint, because his love doesn't change. But we're going to solve our separation, spiritual separation anxiety issues. We need to know more than God, your love doesn't change. We need to know that we can't be separated from it. And this is why your mama and your daddy may love you for life, but you can be separated from their love. You can, you, you can be separated from their love through distance. You can be separated from their love through what else? From death. And see, human love can be separated, but God, Paul wants to help us understand that God not only does his love not change, but God, we will never be separated from his love. So Paul goes on to ask another question. What can separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul is aware that things will try to separate us from the love of God. Look at the verse he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Watch each one. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake? We are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. If you look at the verse, there are several components that fight to separate you from the love of God. Number one, tribulation. That's a fancy word for trouble. Perhaps you're familiar with this one. This one represents those external troubles, not lighthearted troubles, but the troubles that presses upon us until you ask this, God, do you even love me? Maybe, you, maybe you're too holy this morning and, and you've never been in that situation, but there's some things that have come down on you so hard, that have hit you so fast, that you'll have to ask the question, God, do you even love me? Oh, tribulations will surround you. Uh, my dad used to say this. My mom used to say this. If it ain't one thing, it's another. Every time I turn around, there's something attacking me. I learned, I, I actually got a lesson from Animal Planet. Y'all know that I love Animal Planet. Y'all got to pay attention to things because God will speak to you through Animal Planet. Check it out. I was watching Animal Planet one day, and this lion went kind of roaming on his own, and all of a sudden the lion was surrounded by what looks like to be 30 hyenas. And you don't want to get caught by no hyenas. You want to get caught by a lot of hyenas ain't one. This is why Mufasa told Simba he must never go there, right? Because uh, Mufasa knew that on the other side of darkness was hyenas. And here it is. The lion was striding. He thought he was bad. He thought he was all that in a bag of chips. And he looked up and he was surrounded by hyenas. But here's the thing. They didn't take chunks out of him. They didn't just jump on him. Instead, they wore him out. They took little bites out of him. They, they ran up one at a time. They, they wore him out. Friends, that's how tribulations are. Sometimes they don't take chunks out of you. Sometimes they take little bites out of you, little bites out of your faith. You turn around, you got hit with another thing. You turn this way, you got hit with another thing. But here's what I love. Although the lion was down, out in the grass was another lion that came up. And when the other lion showed up, the other hyenas 
had to run. Friends, I came to tell you, you may be going through stuff, but there's another lion, the lion of Judah, that'll show up in the midst of your tribulations, and the hyenas have got to run. Oh, he'll show up when you think that things are against you. And you say, God, in the midst of this storm, do you still love me? And God whispers to your heart, still love you. I know that it's hard right now. I know that it's difficult right now. But I want you to know that I still love you. And Paul goes on to say, not only are the hyenas after us, but he says, component number two is distress. Maybe you don't know what distress is, but distress is different from the first one. Distress doesn't come from without. It comes from within. You ever been emotionally bitter? You ever been angry before? I, 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 I know you say, but have you ever been angry before? <laughs> Some of y'all going to experience it when y'all get out of here. <laughs> have you ever been bitter before? Bitter, if you've ever been in a bitter place, it's not a good place. You're totally numb to everything. You've made up in your mind that you're not letting anybody else in. You even made up your mind that you're not letting God in. What about fear? Have you been scared before? You don't know where the next meal is going to come from. You don't know where you're going to lay your head and what eases in through fear and bitterness and anger, separation, anxiety issues. And you ask God that question once again. God, in my distress, do you love me? And God whispers and says, still love you. And then just in case you're wondering if I love you, I want you to remember what I did on Calvary. I want you to remember the nails that I took in my hands. I want you to remember the crown of thorns that they pressed into my head. I want you to remember that. Do you still love me? Still Love you. But Paul's not done. I love Paul because he's drilling down. He, some of us may not be going through distress. Some of us may not be going through tribulations. But Paul says persecution. And we're a little bit foreign to this in the room because we live in America where our Christianity is safe. And we take for granted that we get to show up this morning and sing songs about Jesus when we got brothers and sisters in other countries that have to meet in secret places just to say the name of Christ. But, 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 but Paul ain't telling us something that he heard. He's telling us something that he's been through. Paul has been through the fire. He's been through the storm. He's been through the tribulations. Don't believe me. Here's his testimony. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands <coughs> of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Oh, don't say no more, brother. I'd have been done already. You throw a rock at me, I'm out. Don't throw no rocks at me. We're gonna be, it's going to be these right here. A night and a day. Y'all know how we are. You better not throw no rock at me. That was Paul. This is me. Uh, Paul said, a night and a day I was drift at sea 
on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at the sea, dangers from false brothers in toil and hardship through many of sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold in exposure. What do we hear coming from the pulpits in America when people are going through things like this, that they don't have no faith and that God don't know them and they don't have any grace. But Paul came to tell us, even in your persecution, even when it's hard, even when you're running, God says, I still love you. I know y'all smart, though. Y'all real educated people in here. Some of y'all got degrees upon degrees, and I know what you're thinking. You said, Pastor, that's good, and that's fine, but, 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 but here's the thing. All those things I don't have any control over. Those things are not my fault. Does God still love me when I'm the problem? Does God still love me when I do the messing up? Does God still love me when when I'm the one who blew it? Does God still love me? Does his love still remain after what I did last night? Pastor, I hear you on the other things, but what happens when I'm the one that does it? God says, still love you. God still says that he loves you. But pastor, this one is on me. God says that I still love you. And here's our issue because what we try to do is we try to clean up our lives so that God would love us more. I learned this by going to clean people's cars. I, I used to go and clean people's cars. And before I'll get there, they'll try to clean their cars before I get there. I'm like, what you call me for? I'm here to clean your car. I love dirty cars because that's money for me, amen? And so I love to see dirty cars, but they will try to clean it before the cleaner got there. We do that in Christianity. We try to make ourselves righteous before the one who is righteous and give us righteousness actually shows up. We try to heal ourselves before we go to the doctor. But I came to tell you, God says that you come as you are because the only way that you're going to get right is by coming to the one who can make you right. So when you mess up, Does God still love you? God says, I still love you. Here's what he says in Romans. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, lean in church, that while we were still sinners, Christ Die for us. Let me pause for a minute. I want you to understand Christianity. I want you to understand the gospel. Friends, God loves you before you ever decide to love him. God loves you when you were spitting him in the face. God loved you when you wanted nothing to do with him. God was dying for you even when you wasn't running towards him. So what makes you think that if he loved you on a basis that had nothing to do with you, that now all of a sudden his love is based on what you do? It never started that way and it will never begin that way. God love is not based on you. That liberates those who understand that. Paul goes on. He answers the question in verse 37. Can anything separate us from the love of God? He makes it clear. He says, absolutely not. Nothing. 
can separate us from the love of God. But I love this next part because he says, but, but, but not only that, not only can it not separate us from him, look at the rest of the verse, in all these circumstances, we are more than what? Through him who what? Through him who loved us. In the midst of your situation, your situations are not making you stronger. You are already a conqueror in the midst of it. Tribulations is upon you. Distress is upon you. Yourself is upon you. But God is saying even in the fight, you are still a conqueror. Okay, I figure I know that I, I know my church, so I had to help you out. Maybe you guys remember Muhammad Ali and, and, and George Foreman. They called it the rumble in the jungle. Maybe you recall that the rumble in the jungle and, and Muhammad Ali came into the match with a with a strategy. That strategy was called the rope-a-dope. Anybody remember what the rope-a-dope was? And so basically what the rope-a-dope was is that Muhammad Ali leaned against the ropes and he allowed his enemy to hit him. And from the outside, it looks like Muhammad Ali was losing, but in fact, he was actually winning. What was he doing? He was tiring George Foreman out. He was swinging, but he wasn't winning. He was punching, but he wasn't winning. And what Paul is saying, that your situations may be swinging on you. Tribulations may be swinging on you. Distress may be swinging on you. But don't you swing back, Christian. You just do the rope of dope. All you got to do is lean back on, not the rope, but lean on your hope. And when you do, God the Father will make sure that you win in the end. Friends, here's what God is saying. That tribulations are swinging, but they're wearing themselves out. God is saying that distress is swinging, but it's wearing itself out. God is saying that, that the bills may be swinging, but he, that they're wearing themselves out. Your husband may have left you and the devil is on you, but they're just wearing themselves out. Because in the end, as long as he's risen from the dead, as long as it's true that Christ is on the throne, you don't have to worry. You will win in the end. Friends, God didn't come down 42 generations to lose you. God didn't come down 42 generations to give up on you. God didn't come down 42 generations to walk out on you. God didn't send his son so that, so, so, so that he would lose you. But the Bible says this, that I'm confident in this, that he who has begun a good work will bring it to completion. You missed your shout there. Let me say it again. The Bible says... That he who has begun a good work. Paul says that I'm sure of this thing. I, I, I'm not wondering. I'm not saying that I might. Paul says that I'm sure of this thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Father, thank you. That you're faithful. That your love never grows cold. Your love knows no end. Many of us in the room are struggling, God. We've been in war. We've been beat up a lot. 
And we just need to know one thing so that you would settle our separation anxiety. Do you still love us? Some of us, we, we jacked up last night, God. And we're afraid when we leave this place, we're going to mess up again. We need to know that you still love us. And Father, we thank you that we see truths in your word that says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not because we're good, not because we're awesome, but because you are a perfect God. 